Hello and welcome to Movement, a weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, Melinda Cousins interviews a leader from within our movement and then asks them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. Welcome back to our podcast movement. Uh, Today I'm sitting down with Daryl Bishop. Daryl is a pastor. He's also married to a pastor. Yes. Uh, he's a father of three, grandfather yes. of seven. seven. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes. And I've learned that he uh, likes to cook a good Indian curry, which maybe will speak into some of the things that we're going to talk about a bit later today. But Daryl's role on the ministry team with Baptist Churches of South Australia is as the cold facilitator. Mm. Uh, so that's the culturally culturally and linguistically mm-hmm. diverse, yes, yes. <laughs> um, congregations and, and members of our uh family of churches. Uh, so, Daryl, it's great to have you. Thanks for thank being you. willing to thank sit down. Thank you so much, Melinda. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's great to be here, and thank you for the opportunity to be able to share a little bit of uh, um, this, the ministry and um, what I really sense is, is is happening here in South Australia, that we're that our community is undergoing a, a change, and mm-hmm. um, being able to just talk a little bit more about that, how we can be engaged with God in his mission um, in his church. Excellent. So, Daryl, one of the questions I've been asking everyone to start off is, I guess, a way of getting to know you a little bit. Uh, but there's this role that you have. What are the experiences in your life and, and sort of the passions that have shaped you and brought you into this role? Mm. Yeah. Um, Melinda, many, many years ago, I, um, I came across a song and it has the title of De Colores. It actually um, originated out of Spain and that De Colores actually uh, means made of colours. And the words ref- of the song reflect on the infinite and many ways that we experience God's love mm-hmm. through his creation and through his people. Every single one of us is created in the image of God. And um, every single one of us, in one way or another, reflect the creative variety that exists there Mm -hmm. in the Godhead. And in this ministry in which I'm involved in at the present time, which I absolutely love and um, really enjoying, um, my my dream, my passion as we look forward into the future is that we as a Baptist movement would be able to uh, gain a greater glimpse of um, who God is, of the variety that we see in the Godhead as it's reflected um, in the makeup of um, the people here in, here in South Australia. Um, as I mentioned, there, there is a, a change happening and... Um, just wanting to be very much part of that. My own journey um, in this area goes um, way, way back. I'm just trying to even think because um, where it's all started because um, I grew up in Mount Gambia in the 1960s, 1970s. Oh, was, that, was that a very uh, linguistically and culturally diverse very place Very linguistically and culturally diverse, <laughs> but um, very, very monocultural. Right. And... Um, as I moved from um, Mount Gambia um, up here to Adelaide, began studies at at university. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living at one of the uh, residential colleges here in Adelaide, right. and it was around. It was in the mid nineteen seventies, and there was um, 
a growing number of um, students from Vietnam who are now who are studying here in Adelaide. Yeah. And um, I also, at the same time, I had this um, real passion for table tennis. Mm-hmm. And so you mix a science degree... <laughs> Right. with table tennis and find myself interacting and building friendships with um, some of the other students from, from different countries, including some of our Vietnamese folk. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know whether you remember, but um, back around 1975 was the, the fall of Saigon and um, just seeing the impact that it had on a number of the um, um, students that I've become friends with and listening right. to their stories, the, the concern that they had um, for, for family and for friends mm-hmm. um, back in their own country. When I became a, um, a follower of Jesus, um, I was working as a um, back down in very monocultural southeast in the pulp and paper industry. And um, I, um, in becoming a, a, a follower of Jesus, um, got involved in an interdenominational Bible study group, right. and um, people who are listening today they um, may know of Andrew McDonough. Oh yes, but yeah. um, Andrew, lost sheep. Lost <laughs> that's sheep. That's right. Today, but Absolutely. Not back then. No, but um, Andrew's dad, Peter, right. actually led this Bible study group, <laughs> and um, Peter had a whole range of. Um, cross-cultural missionaries coming through and speaking at that um, at Bi- that Bible study group. And um, that's where I picked up this real heart, this real passion for, um, for cross-cultural ministry. Mm-hmm. That led me from, um, from Millicent um, to the WEC Missionary Training College. Oh, wow, that's in, a... In Tasmania. Yeah. And um, that in itself is another story, <laughs> but it was... Um, just the opportunity to live with and to interact with people who are working uh, cross-culturally at that time. Mm-hmm. For family reasons, as um, there wasn't the opportunity to to continue on from there to um, into uh, missionary service, which was where my heart, my passion really right. was at that time. I followed um, from Wet College into our Baptist Theological College and uh, then on into um, rural ministry here in South Australia. But it was about um, 2005, as while my wife and I were visiting China, that um, the whole kind of call to cross-cultural missionary service just bubbled to the surface again. And uh, and left me, left me think, Daryl, what, what do I do about this? Yeah. What do I do about it? So it hadn't gone away in all that time. No, it was just... all that time it was still sitting there. Yeah. The other thing I experienced at that time was to be part of a minority group in a country where you didn't know the culture mm. or the language, um, not part of the dominant culture but part of the minority mm. culture. And that, again, left me thinking and reflecting as uh, I begin to see some changes happening here in Adelaide and how people feel coming from a, a different country, um, speak a different language, coming here um, to Adelaide. In 2007, so we go forward a couple of years now, and uh, the first invitation to go to India. Right. And um, I went to India on um, um, for three weeks, uh, part of a missions team, and 
at that time I just fell in love with India, mm-hmm. with the people. Um, it was just an amazing time. And I followed that up with another six trips oh, to, wow. to India, yep. approximately every every two years. From there, um, and so there is this kind of pull to cross-cultural um, ministry and, and how that's being worked out for me. Mm-hmm. In um, 2010, by this time, I was um, working with um, Baptist Care, Baptist Homes of the Age right. as a coordinating chaplain and and particularly within our ba- Baptist Homes of the Age, a number of um, people from other countries, from the Philippines, from India, from some of our Southeast Asian countries, were coming to uh, Baptist Homes of the Age to do their community service or their aged care placement. Mm-hmm. And so from there I was um, building friendships um, with um with these students, um, opportunity to visit family members in hospital, opportunities um, to help with uh, visa applications, mm-hmm. uh, learning English. And the other great thing is that, um, particularly for um, the, my Indian friends, was that they, when they moved here to Adelaide, they would often have house blessings okay. and invite you over and uh, just to be able to enjoy um, the friendship and... Um, the food. And the food, <laughs> you're right, absolutely. Um, and yeah. so that was also happening for me. And through this time, so was, we're sitting around about 2010, 2012, so um, eight to ten years ago, I started thinking about what would an authentic multicultural or intercultural church look like in our Aussie culture? Mm. Um, and it's a question that I kept uh, thinking through, reflecting through, uh, particularly when I was reading uh, the New Testament, what would such a church really look like for, in our own culture? And um, and I was wondering, Melinda, whether as we look at examples of, of multicultural church and multicultural ministry, whether we've taken... Um, Taking examples from our own culture in our in our society, a, um, a to be multicultural is to pick up um, the food and the, mm-hmm. and get involved in the festivals yes. and uh, the dress, which is all marvelous, all right. wonderful. And yeah. uh, um, but I wonder whether God mm-hmm. was actually calling it to us to more than that mm-hmm. um, in terms of what it actually meant to. Um, um, to be involved together with people from every tribe, language, people, and nation, because yeah. that's the other part that was really um, nudging me is um, to that. Is it possible that our local church could be a little glimpse mm. of what we? as God's people, are going to experience in the future as we gather around that throne to worship the one who sits on the throne. Uh, That's great. What I'm hearing, Daryl, is this sense of um, sort of, you know, you experience a bit of different cultures and the the joy of that, but then putting that together with your heart for mission and ministry and, and, you know, where where is God in this? Um, And interesting too that that sense of wanting 
having a desire to go overseas and then realizing actually there's multicultural, you know, there's people from all languages and tribes and tongues here. And what yeah. does it look like for us to embrace that and, and do ministry in that context? Is that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. As all these different strands for, were coming together for me and um, sort of thinking through, where do I take this? Mm. What, 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 what can I do? And, um, um, and probably uh, for me, um, the opportunity to really experiment with this, and I say experiment <laughs> because I want to honour and acknowledge um, the folk at Broadview Baptist because um, in around 2014, um, they were looking for for a pastor, right. and initially they they said we could uh, we're looking for a pastor for around two days a week, <laughs> and um, I knew anecdotally that the community around Broadview was changing, right? And um, so there was, I went to um, and had a talk with with Broadview, and and but given particularly my um, experience as a chaplain. How would you feel if I was for two days a week, if I, I was to help you to finish well mm-hmm. and we seek to try and explore together a, 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 congrega- a new congregation, which mm-hmm. was multicultural? Wow. And Melinda, they took us on. They oh, took me on, fantastic. which yeah. was fantastic. And that was the beginning of um, being able to... Uh, um, explore this question about what a multicultural, intercultural church looks like in our Aussie culture. Excellent. Yeah. And that's sort of, you know, led to the role that you're in currently. But before we talk about your current role and what you're doing, um, I think for those who are listening to us today, there's a few different terms that you've used, multicultural, and I think I heard you say intercultural. Yes, Is that yes, right? Yeah. And then we have the whole cold acronym, and I think some people talk about Lote. Yes. Uh, so there's all these different terms floating around. Maybe yeah. you could give us, for those who are listening, some of us might be right across this, mm. um, but we've also got people listening from, you know, all the different churches in our movement who might be thinking, I've got no idea what you're talking about, Daryl. Yeah. So can you give us a little bit of an unpacking of some of those terms? Ab- absolutely. What the yeah, no, for sure. Um, and the dilemma for us is that uh, as you sit down, um, doing any reading um, and even around our nation in different states there are different terms that are used that would never be the case between the states that we <laughs> never, use different absolutely language not. but um, so and some of the terms and every term has its limitations mm-hmm. um, you know we talk about multicultural and often that's the term that's 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 used uh, most frequently but in a sense every single one of our churches are multicultural Right. Because we every church is made up of people from different generations. Mm-hmm. Every church is made up of different families. Right. And so every family brings, in a sense, a different culture right. to the life of that church. Then yeah. um, perhaps another term is multi-ethnic, which um, people from um, uh, different ethnic groups coming together um, mm-hmm. is a term that's used. Um, in America, they'll use biracial or multiracial. Yes. Um, we've talked about culturally and linguistically diverse, uh, mm-hmm. which is part of my title. Yes. And um, except some of our churches who would see that would, would be multicultural actually speak English, so they're not actually linguistically <laughs> right. diverse. For example, um, besides um, 
serving as a cold facilitator with our Baptist movement. Yep. I'm also on staff at Ross Trevor Baptist Church. That's right. And yep. we have a an African fellowship um, who love to worship in Swahili, right. but um, will generally the, the a language medium for for those fellowship services and for yep. the preaching is is English. So um, there's. Um, there's an issue, um, or quite just um, linguistic, uh, being lingu- linguistically diverse, and um, mm-hmm. in that situation, then um, in our um, Baptist Union of Victoria and some of the other states, they'll talk about low churches, which right. is language other than English. But okay. um, yep. again, that's uh, we see the the um, uh, the limitations of even um, that term. Um, I've heard also. Um, um, some of our migrant churches being referred to as diaspora churches. Okay. And right. that, that's that's a really helpful the term. Scattering. As is well. that right? That's, what that's that right. Means? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And then we can talk about and uh, part of um, uh, the ministry around connecting with uh, our multicultural churches and uh, our low churches um, is also another area in, in terms of uh, second generation, third generation churches. And that yeah. provides a whole uh, different framework in which we're seeking to connect with people um, that often the, the children of um, first generation migrants coming to Australia find themselves stuck between different cultures mm-hmm. yeah. and how to connect with um, with them. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So can I ask Daryl, what would you say uh, to someone? So there's all these different terms and obviously there's lots of people doing research in these areas and sometimes they go, oh, you need a degree in this to know, you know, which is the appropriate term to use. Um, or what's the best approach for us to take just for, you know, people in our churches, you know, all these different terms, um, you know, is it is it about getting the language right or is it about something else? Mm. Um, I, for for me, I prefer to use the term intercultural right. because that, in a sense, reflects a little bit of what I see in in the scriptures and mm-hmm. what my dream, um, what I kind of imagine uh, for the church. But I, at the same time, that um, we um, where. I think the term multicultural, cross-cultural, those, those terms do connect mm-hmm. and uh, maybe that's our starting point, but to recognise that uh, the limitations mm-hmm. of each of those terms, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I wonder sometimes whether we just uh, get too much hung up on the language. We want to be respectful and, you Absolutely. know, towards people and, and, and uh, I guess, use the terms that they use, yeah. but also not let that stop us from actually getting involved and, Absolutely. Yeah, seeing no, what God is because, doing. Because the other part of that is um, when we use terms like multicultural, we, in some ways we're emphasising uh, the diversity. Right. And um, I think God is calling us together to be one body. Yeah. Um, re- yes, recognising our diversity, honouring that, mm-hmm. celebrating that, but at the same time recognising that, that we are one people one body yeah. in Christ. Excellent. Yeah. So you currently have this role of cold ministry facilitator with Baptist churches. Um, so you have the opportunity, I guess, of being across a number of our uh, different churches from different cultures, but also all of our churches who are um, you know, made up, as you said, of different cultures. So in that position, I'd love to ask, what are you seeing, what are you hearing, and what are you learning from um, taking on this role and, and being able to be involved in this area of ministry across our movement? Yeah, Um it's 
we see, as we travel around the States, and Melinda, the other opportunity I have is that uh, to be able to sit on the Australian Baptist uh, Multicultural right. Task Force yep. group, and um, and that's just such a great, great privilege, yep. because what is happening in other states, um, and we see Melbourne and Sydney and to um, Brisbane, Perth, are undergoing this this incredible uh, cultural shift as they are welcoming people from other countries uh, mm-hmm. to their cities. And, uh, for example, um, in uh, our last census, um, probably around 30% of Australians were actually uh, born overseas. Right. Here here in South Australia, it's around about 25%. Okay. So it's still pretty – it's still high. It's, it's not still that far high. Behind, is it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, – then if you um, add in um, where people who, who either one or both of their parents born overseas, we, um, we're actually moving right up to uh, almost 49% wow. of our population. And again, South Australia, um, we're, it's about 45% of, mm-hmm. of people who either one or both of their uh, parents were born born overseas. Right. So we are, we are seeing this this change change happening, and um, within our our Baptist movement, um, we uh, we're seeing again around the states we're seeing um, the our, the numbers um, remaining around about the same in terms of um, um, the numbers within our. Our, our Baptist churches, and that's um, come about through through migration growth. As people are coming um, to Australia and, and, and connecting and being involved with with our with our Baptist Baptist churches, and um, but there's also uh, a little bit of a myth there as well because um, people will maybe would suggest that well, the majority of our growth um, right. is actually happening through through migration, but yeah. it's it's uh, these migrant churches, um, right. our language other than English churches, who are probably most evangelistic, right, and yeah. <laughs> uh, connecting with, um, seeking to reach particularly people of their own cultural cultural background. Mm-hmm. Um, here in in Adelaide. Um, we um, we have our um, I'm not sure how whether people are aware that our, our largest Baptist church in South Australia is actually a Hakka Chin church. Yes. Um, people who have come from as refugees from the Chin state uh, mm. of Myanmar or um, or Burma, as um, uh, people will um, potentially refer to, um, to to that country, and um, so that's that's exciting and. Um, um, Melinda, one of the things that I've probably almost the most satisfying thing part of my ministry in, um, is when you actually ask me, would I supervise um, their lead pastor mm-hmm. um, through his accreditation process? Yeah. It was such an incredible experience, and um, um, and to see um, people from um, from the Chin State uh, just engaging. Um, so much within um, 
within the process here in South Australia. Yeah, I know for me as well, it's been uh, having having people in ministry from different cultures, um, just we're learning so much. Um, yeah. And I wonder whether people listening, like you said, might think that our Baptist movement is perhaps a bit more monocultural and, and not realise, I mean, within each of our churches, I think, you know, look around and you see that there are people who've come from all over the world, yeah. but also that with across our churches there is this yeah. diversity. Yeah. Um, and we're learning from each other. There are Absolutely. things that, um, you know, ways of seeing the world or, you know, understandings of the Bible or even ways of understanding God that are different and that we are enriched by. Yeah. 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 Um, at uh, Ross Trevor and also at Edwardstown Baptist, mm-hmm. I understand there's uh, um, maybe 30% of um, folk who are part of those two churches who will speak a language other than English right. in their homes. Yeah. Um, just another example. Um, there's some exciting things happening in different churches. I hear of what's happening down in Mount Gambia and mm-hmm. um, um, uh, uh, at Mount Gambia Baptist and yeah. uh, the way that they're connecting with the, the Korean people and um, um, that, that's also uh, fantastic. It, yeah. it, it really is uh, excellent to hear. As we're seeing this transformation, seeing this change, it's actually beginning to happen here yeah. in Adelaide. Yeah. And yeah. So, so can I ask you, what are the, I guess, what are the questions that you know causes us to ask? What are the the learnings that we have from this changing? Um, makeup of our churches and from people of, of different cultures sharing their faith and you know what what does it cause I guess I don't want to say us because we don't make it us and them no. but um, I guess maybe your, your traditional Australian <laughs> um, you know what are the things that maybe um, we can be thinking about and learning from what, yeah. what we see happening does that make sense yeah absolutely um, what what I think is 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 happening that we, we're seeing God um, God's at work amongst our new arrivals. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, whenever people are going through times of change or transformation, there's an openness to kind of explore new values, mm-hmm. um, new, new frameworks for life, new sense of purpose, new sense of meaning. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that, in a sense, that's, that's what's happening. And, and for us as, um, as a movement to be hearing, sensing what... Um, the mission that God Himself is is on, and in joining Him mm-hmm. in His mission, and part of that is connecting with our new arrivals, mm-hmm. and and we have this opportunity to um, uh, demonstrate hospitality, demonstrate welcome, mm-hmm. and inviting people to come, um, and um, to as as they make their way to um, into our society. We, we see people coming uh, for, for, for some of our, our migrants who are coming to Australia. They, they come as skilled workers mm-hmm. and they want to embrace. They want to be, be part of uh, Australian, um, the society and to learn Western values and to connect with Western churches. Right. But then at the other end of the spectrum, um, there are, are refugees who have been displaced for, mm-hmm. for whatever's happened in, the, in their own country. And um, I've talked already, if we've talked about um, some of our Viet, the Vietnamese folks through the 1970s, we can go back even further to what was um, the wave of migration that happened uh, post-World War II, um, through the 1970s through the, with the Vietnamese folk. Um, Chinese folk are coming to Australia to for study. Um, but uh, 
the Chin people, and then uh, this wave of migration is happening from from the Middle East as well, up to at least um, when when uh, COVID sort of COVID <laughs> yes, has stopped course. a lot of that. Yeah. But um, there's um, coming becoming as as refugees versus coming as a skilled worker wanting mm. to come here. There's there's different questions mm-hmm. um, for our. Those who come as refugees, um, if you can imagine, everything's been stripped away from them. Mm. Their sense of identity, who they are, is gone. And um, so to be able to provide, to be a place of welcome, mm-hmm. a place of um, providing hospitality, an opportunity where uh, people can actually, um, maybe for some time, to be worshipping in their own language, mm. um, within their own cultural context, and to rebuild that sense of identity, mm. and in a sense to introduce people to the love of God mm. and uh, the the reality of of His presence here mm. in in this place. So, uh, yeah, no, that's um, great. Yeah, I think of um, maybe my, maybe I'm speaking out of my own experience, but maybe it's easy sometimes when you're part of the dominant culture to think that you don't have a culture or you know, and you don't have to think about culture. And I know my own experience um, learning from people who've come from different cultures causes me to question some of my own assumptions and practices. And you know, so um, yeah, what what would you say kind of speaks into that? I guess what are the things that um, maybe those of us who haven't thought about uh, intercultural ministry or uh, cultural diversity, um, how does this impact on our, our, ourselves? Yeah, um, it's the way it, it impacts is um, we, we, see, we see life, we see the way that we, we live um, through our cultural mm-hmm. lenses and um, you know, the, the illustration of... Um, the fish bowl and uh, the fish swimming around in the bowl, and um, there is both the, um, the the material things in the in that fish bowl is the the sand and uh, the weed, and right. but there's also the non-material water, right? And um, the water is very much like culture. Yeah, it's there. We swim in it. Yeah. But we don't realise the impact that that has on who we are, um, even in the life of our churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yet that water for the fish is so important. If the water was blue, for example, yeah. we'd see everything. Yeah, um, everything would be blue. Everything yeah, would right. be blue. Yes. And, and we, we do the same thing. And yeah. um, as we, um, in, in, our, in our churches, we think... Um, you know, even how we make make decisions, and um, that some of our sisters and brothers from other Asian countries will make decisions in a very different way to what we do um, within our our Baptist churches, and so it really comes down. And I think you've probably been hinting at it, Melinda, is um, listening. Mm-hmm. Learning to yeah. really, really listen, mm-hmm. to listen to the stories. Um, sometimes they'll be absolutely heartbreaking mm. to hear those stories, but otherwise we learn so much more about um, about the good news of Jesus Christ, mm. about what it means to follow Jesus, and um, about um, the values of God's kingdom. And 
and it also it strips back for us that which is potentially cultural mm-hmm. and that which sits at the very core right. of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I find that um, absolutely fascinating um, and I'm learning, learning all the time through mm-hmm. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, That's great. I think that it's almost like I set you up. I didn't mean to. <laughs> but you're right that, you know, listening is always such a big part of it. And funnily enough, the other thing we've talked about with the podcast has been listening and imagining. Yeah. You know, that part of learning and, and um, having these conversations is what are we hearing? Mm. And then also what are we seeing? What are we picturing or what are we thinking could be? Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to ask you about that in terms of maybe some of those listening are saying, well, yeah, we've got different groups in our church or different people in our church. And what does it look like to be a multicultural or intercultural church? How do we do that? Because it seems like there's a few different ways that that can look. You know, Melinda, back in um, 2014 when I was beginning at Broadview Baptist and I was wrestling with that question of what it means to be an intercultural church. And so I started um, reading and I came across a a master's thesis that was written by a lady called um, Miwon Yang, and um, maybe we can kind of connect that in with uh, reference that in the podcast. We've been in the show notes. Miwon's from the Baptist Union of Victoria. That's and right. She's got an amazing ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, we'll make sure and, that's in the show notes. Um, and that's what I hadn't hadn't shared with you up to this point. The Baptist Union of Victoria has around about two hundred and ten churches, and over a hundred of them. A language other than English. Wow. So that gives you a little bit of a, um, a glimpse at um, what is actually happening yeah. around our nation. <laughs> but um, when Miwan wrote this thesis, and, you know, within our, our lives and our ministry, there's, there can potentially be, you know, half a dozen books and a, particular, a few people that just have this major impact upon us in terms of our um, direction of ministry mm-hmm. and just so significant. And Miwan's thesis for me at that time was 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 like that. Right. It was yeah. life-changing. And I, I thought that I needed to meet this lady. Mm-hmm. And so um, I organised a trip across the Melbourne and met her and her colleague who uh, uh, head up this ministry with Baptist Union Victoria. But uh, in that thesis... Um, Miwan outlines a number of different ways or models of of multicultural church. Mm -hmm. And um, perhaps I could just uh, very quickly uh, just sketch sketch them out. Uh, The first is the the monocultural model. Mm -hmm. um, And that's, um, as already mentioned, that that provides... um, a place, a safe place for, particularly for refugees mm-hmm. and for first generation migrants as they come and uh, to this country. But the dilemma with the, the monocultural uh, model is that potentially can only last two to three generations. Right. Um, and um, it's a place of safety, mm-hmm. but it also, in terms of kind of thinking um, through where to in terms of the future. Mm-hmm. Then there's um, uh, the friendship model, where this, um, and that's often where a um, one of our a- Anglo churches provides space mm-hmm. for an ethnic congregation. Right. And I would really encourage every single Baptist church <laughs> in in South Australia to make those connections with mm-hmm. some of the ethnic groups and and provide space if mm-hmm. they're able to. Um, to be able to uh, to begin to build those friendships mm-hmm. um, 
and those relationships with um, with the ethnic congregations, um, and um, we we find there that um, maybe each group is still retaining their own sent their own leadership, um, their own administrative structures, um, and the facilities are perhaps used on a rental basis. Mm-hmm. The opportunity there, though, is is to start to to seek to build um, build friendships. The next model um, is what Miwan describes as being a, a partnership model, mm-hmm. and um, and this moves beyond um, uh, the landlord tenant relationship. <laughs> um, worship is probably still separate, but um, there's potentially some combined. Um, um, services happening. Right. Um, the leaders of the, of those of the ethnic group and the Anglo group um, maybe start to form one leadership team right. together. Yeah, and um, there's also opportunities for combined Sunday school, youth ministry, right, and even community service ministry. And that's um, uh, it's really great to 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 see see examples of that. Then the other, the fourth model, um, and I've only seen this, um, I saw it in one church in Melbourne, which I actually visited, but um, where it moves beyond um, the the partnership model to an integrated model, and it's where you have the one church, it's made up of diverse ethnic and cultural groups, and it um, moves beyond um, even a representative model. That's um, you know where we have people from the uh, ethnic group who come who are representing uh, that particular group on on the leadership team. It moves beyond that to where where people from um, each of the ethnic groups are actually truly empowered. And contributing to the life and direction and uh, the the vision of the church mm-hmm. into the future, and there are um, things like um, there's inclusiveness, there's justice, mm-hmm. racial reconciliation, um, multi ethnic leadership, um, and there's contextualization of worship, yeah. uh, the proclamation of the word, fellowship. Mm-hmm. And it's the hardest model at all. Right. The hardest. Yeah. Um, and yet I think they're starting to reflect a little bit of what Paul talks about. In the New Testament. In the New yeah, Testament. Absolutely. Yeah. Is it fair then to say that it, it is a, a bit of a, a movement towards that, that, you know, like you said, there is a, there's a place for the monocultural yeah, and yeah. there's a place for each of them, but, but I guess that we're seeking to move towards, from, we're moving from one to the other. Is that a... A fair way of seeing yeah. it, or it's not quite that simple. I would um, see. I think initially, when I started to explore ways of being a multicultural church, I sort of started and sort of thought, "Yeah, that's that's the goal. That's where we want to yeah. be." But I think there is a place for fluidity right. across all those four models, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a, a church as it's engaged in mission mm-hmm. into its community, into its neighbourhood, mm-hmm. there will be a place for for each of those four, right. four models. 
and to be able to move backwards and forwards in response Mm -hmm. to uh, the mission that uh, God is calling uh, that church to be involved. Um, that's that's where I'm at at the moment, yep. but uh, I may um, shift uh, <laughs> as uh, continue to grow. Yeah, continued it, learning. We know learning. we never get there. We never reach the end. That's why we have these yeah, conversations, isn't right. it? That's yeah. right. Can I ask one of the questions um, as we head towards wrapping up? I wanted to ask you, um, and I've been asking a lot of people this, is what are, what are the unique challenges but also opportunities of this particular season that we find ourselves in? And it's an interesting question talking about um, – cultural diversity because this season right now when we're sitting here of course COVID has had the biggest impact Um, but there's also the season we're in much more broadly in terms of all these big shifts in Australian culture so you might like to answer that question in either or both ways but (laughs) what do you think are the the challenges and opportunities that you're seeing right now? No thank you Um, you know one of the things I first discovered very very quickly our uh, western culture is a quite an individualistic culture yeah and so i think for our anglo churches our baptist churches for for many of us um to actually close close down our our worship services close down our activities it was hard it was tough but it was probably a lot easier than for example i'm aware of a korean community where to um Worshiping together, it's very much a collective culture. Yeah, worshiping together was just so so important, and so mm. to stop that, yeah, it was um, virtually sort of heartbreaking right. and uh, have to rethink almost what it means to be church. Yeah, um, but there was also um, lots and lots of opportunities that come out of come out of this. For example, as people, um, our different cultural groups. Um, engage some of the technology mm-hmm. um, and Zoom and YouTube. Um, Ross Trevor Baptist, for example, have a Chinese congregation. Yeah. And um, their their services are uh, Zoomed and continue to be Zoomed because they're continuing their, their online services, um, Southeast Asia. Right. And, um, and it's the same with, um, with the Korean group that um, uh, sending the link to um, the YouTube um services um and that but they're being viewed in in other countries as well mm-hmm. um i was part of a um another group a, a tamil speaking group um and um we had a, a a service using zoom and we had our speaker was in chennai mm-hmm. in india um we had people joining us from uh, andhra pradesh um and we had so, um family watching from um, from interstate Mm-hmm. That's the the opportunities that COVID has kind of opened up yeah, um, right. for us into the future, and um, um, and in a sense it, it allows us probably to to be able to do um, cross cultural multicultural ministry mm-hmm. in um, even more so um, into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other part which I wanted to just maybe just to mention is. Um, as we're thinking about um, a multicultural ministry, is to um, is is around um, our our leadership um, of our churches, and um, to say, for example, um, yeah, to if we look at the makeup of our leadership teams, for example, and um, asking the question. 
it's more than 20%. If you use the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, right. it's more than 20% of our our leadership teams um, coming from a other than the dominant culture. Right. Uh, for me, one of my personal challenges is uh, in my, my own friendships um, is more than uh, 20% of my friends coming right. from a culture other than uh, my own culture. Yeah. And there, for there are good questions to kind of to think about, reflect on, as um, for for churches and for leaders um, who are exploring uh, this journey, yeah. uh, good places to start. Yeah. Excellent, Daryl. I wish people could see your face as you're sitting here talking to me because you just kind of light up and beam when you get excited about this topic. So maybe as we come to a close, there's something I wanted to ask you, which is just what what keeps you that excited? What keeps you excited and motivated? Because this is a pretty messy area of ministry. Like we're saying, we haven't got all the right language down, let alone all the, and there's all these different models and, you know, we haven't figured it out. We're on a continual learning journey. But what is it that you see that keeps that energy and excitement going? Um, The term... Imagination is has been used quite a bit, and you know, God gives gives that that God given imagination <laughs> as we as we move forward. And um, other terms is a a kingdom dream, having mm-hmm. a dream, yeah. having a vision, um, and that's what really keeps keeps me going. I we've alluded back to um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians a, a number of times, and um, I see in um, Paul's letter, an allusion there to perhaps the most multicultural church yeah, in, mm-hmm. in, in the New Testament and, um, and where we had people, um, Jews and Gentiles, worshipping together as one people in Christ. And Paul speaks about um, dividing walls being mm-hmm. broken down. Mm-hmm. He speaks about the creation of a new humanity. He speaks about the reconciliation of one group of people to another, and all of that happening um, in Christ. And one particular verse in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul says, verse 6, This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now, our English translation, I'm told, and um, Linda, you're the theologian, not me. <laughs> but in our English translation, there's there's one word which they which struggles to translate. Um, where um, it's a word that doesn't appear anywhere else in the New Testament or in first century literature, and it's the Greek word "susomos." The NIV translates it as "members together or one body," mm-hmm. but it actually falls far, far short. Mm-hmm of what Paul had in mind as he attempts to describe the relationships that we are actually called to and that can be made possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And therefore, Paul actually makes up this word. That's what I'm just so thinking. Much. I wonder whether he just made it up because it's he, like, this yeah. picture is so big, there's yeah. not even a word for it. Yeah, and it, which literally means fellow body. Mm. And perhaps there's only... One relationship here on earth that goes beyond what Paul was speaking about, and that's the marriage relationship. But in that fellow body, what Paul was describing, um, sisters and brothers from every culture, language, people and nation coming together as one people 
in Christ. And that, for me, is what continues to motivate me, mm. uh, continues to drive um, the, my imagination as I look forward into the future. You know, in the past, um, I think the um, what what we've had is um, almost like a, a melting pot where um, as people come from different cultures, different backgrounds, we kind of we get all thrown into this one melting pot mm-hmm. and um, become uh, indistinguishable. Right. Um, I think our society um, presents to us a different model where we have cultures living alongside each other, tolerating, yeah, perhaps, yeah, living alongside um, each other and celebrating as we talked about food and mm-hmm. and clothing and um but it's it's and we we can be really polite to each other, mm-hmm. but it's often just about representation. But what um, Paul was speaking about with his Susomos is of, um, and I've heard different um, images as being used. Maybe the image of a of a salad. You kind of mix all the the ingredients of the salad together, and and. Um, um, you can still see, you know, the carrots and the lettuce mm-hmm. and the tomato and uh, all those wonderful uh, vegetables and fruits and um, all um, contributing to the mm-hmm. flavour of that salad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, it's a little image of what I think God calls us as, as a church. Um, yeah. yeah. And that one day, you know, a little glimpse of what we're going to experience mm-hmm. in the future. I wonder whether, like Paul, we need to make up our own word for, like you're saying, yeah. none of the images quite get there, do they? But this idea that we are, you know, so much richer and, and God has this thing that he does when he brings us all together in our diversity that's yeah. so much beyond what we are yeah. on our own. Yeah. Yeah. Daryl, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thank you for the work that you're doing amongst our movement of churches. And I want to say thank you for your, your posture, um, which is exactly what I feel like these conversations are about. If we are continually learning, listening, imagining, uh, you know, figuring things out, experimenting, I think was the word you used, playing with language, because, you know, we're not experts. We haven't got it all figured out, but we are looking towards a God who has a big vision and a big plan and, and um, you know, caught up in what he is yeah, doing. So absolutely. it's been great to have a chat with you today. Linda, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Movement Today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Movement is a podcast from Baptist Church's SA, hosted by Melinda Cousins and produced by Ruth Grace and Kathy Turner. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest.